guys. Welcome to the CrossFit Grandview podcast. Today is, I believe it's podcast number 33. And today we're going to talk about auto-regulation. So I got this idea. Um, I'm on a newsletter Marcus Philly sends around and he discussed uh, the topic of auto-regulation and how it was uh, one of the key things to staying fit for life. So what I brought Dan in here because Dan actually, I've noticed over probably the last five or six years, is one of the best athletes I've seen at auto-regulating himself, like knowing when to push hard. Something is in his wheelhouse. He's gonna like, he's gonna absolutely crush it. And then, and then other days, just taking a step back if he's not feeling great. You know, he's had some knee issues. Like, hey, I'm not gonna do tons of burpee box jump over workouts. Uh, I'm gonna kind of keep that in my back pocket for if I have to do it, you know. Um, One open workout every four years. <laughs> exactly, so and then he just doesn't do those. So, <laughs> and he stays healthy and he works out, you know, six days a week, every week and, and, and crushes it. And um, I've been not as good at that at certain points and, and that's why, you know, I wanted to bring him in. So basically what auto-regulation is, it's knowing your body and sensing stress enough to be able to push hard when it's there and then pull back uh, accordingly. Um, we're all born with this trait in some way. I mean, like, you know, if you're a little kid and you feel tired and, you know, someone's trying to push you to do something, you, you know, you'll usually complain or whine. Like, you're born with this trait. Uh, you know, once we dive deep into CrossFit, and I actually was better at this, I think, before I got into CrossFit, and then I started to see results. I wanted to stick to a program, and I wanted to keep up with uh, people who, you know, maybe I was training with, and I sort of started to just turn this off, and that's when I think I, I really uh, started to run into, like, injuries and, and some things like that um, after a few years of getting into some CrossFit and, uh, you know, once you're competitive, like I, I was kind of competitive in CrossFit for a little while early on, competitive-ish. Um, and then once that kind of ended, and I didn't have a lot of stress outside, I had new stress and inputs kind of coming in to my life. And once that happened, actually the injuries jumped up right after I was done because I put all my energy and focus into CrossFit training for a few years. Then as my business started to take off, I got married, started having kids. I tried to keep up that level of training and all that training stress while my life stress went up. And that's when I started to kind of get run into some problems. And that's what we're, we're really going to discuss here um, today. So, so Dan, I, I don't know if you've, you had some issues like similar, you found a spot, like you can like go back to a place like when in your training where you're like, okay. I need to make some adjustments, maybe like, you know, lifting faster, stronger, more explosively wasn't always like the best. Yeah, there was just a few years ago, I was doing all the level two stuff and watching dudes squat 405 and I'm not as big as some of them. So trying to like always chase those numbers, just beat my already not so great right knee up. Like I've had an ACL surgery, a meniscus surgery. So just... Wear and tear on top of that, and then trying to, like, push weights all the time. And then one day, I, like, I think I was doing air squats, like Cindy or something, and it just, like, tripled in size, and I was like, I should probably stop squatting. And I didn't squat for, like, six months. Worked around, I did, like, deadlifts, hamstring stuff, 
and then it just started feeling a little bit better over time and I could kind of push squats. But instead of going like 85, 90, 95% double singles, whatever, it's like 70% for 5 to 10. Uh-huh. It's like I can like do that kind of stuff. Diving under heavy squat cleans isn't always a good idea. Like twice a month I can like do a heavy single kind of thing. And other than that, it's like, what's the point? Yep. You know, so like it's just... Cutting stuff out, but not fully cutting it out, I guess. Yeah, yep. so still touching it and yeah. and finding, like, what kind of volume works for your body. Yeah. And yep. what I, I really noticed with you is actually um, you had some addition by subtraction. Like, so things you were good at, you doubled down on some of those things, yeah. and then you took out some of the things you weren't mm-hmm. as good at or not as good at. Just your body just didn't like didn't, yeah, didn't. to do that over right. and over again. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, a great example is like this past year, you probably had one of your top one or two open performances that you've ever had. Yeah, that you, was know, you were fourth in the gym overall, Yeah, you know, um, with some really young competitive guys who, who really get after it. And I mean, that's got to be, I mean, as far as how you stacked up in that group, like one of the best you've ever done. Yeah, that was a surprise because I mean, like again, coming into this, like three months leading up to it, my knee felt good. So like the group I work out with, we were pushing some squats, but not getting like super crazy. Mm-hmm. And we kept the pull-up stuff going, and that really helped this year too, obviously, because I yeah. had a big, was it 21.3 or whatever it was. Yeah. So that helped a lot. But yeah, it was a surprising year for no rowing or wall ball, so that helped. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, it's just, it's cool to see you listen to your body, know when to like mm-hmm. pull back when to push things, yep. things to avoid or just like scale in a way, you know, where it's not like, um, and it's not, it's not damaging your ego anymore. Where, whereas, you know, maybe five or six years ago, you're like, Hey, I need to always be working on my back squat or yep. whatever it is to keep up with it. Or yeah, like, I have to force myself through, um, you know, these box jumps and yep. work on rebounding. And luckily CrossFit kind of took that out. Yeah, as like, like a the, big the thing. The kind of helps that. You can like cushion the blow a little bit with the no, yeah. Because I remember, you know, every year in the Open, they seemed to have like a workout that was primarily like, I don't know, 150 rebounding box jumps. Up and, down. and that probably wasn't Not phenomenal yeah. on the knee. Yeah, the one year I didn't even do the Open because leading up to it, I did a bunch of box jumps because I should probably get this conditioning up and it just like took me out of it so like I didn't even sign up in like 16 or something I remember that yeah your knee was just just like I'm not yeah I'm like limping as I walk around the gym Mm -hmm. which was a a good look for everybody (laughs) yeah yeah I mean and that we're we're here like at the end of the day like competing is is fun yeah um for guys like me and you we're we're trying to just we we're competitive you know we uh, both of us are competitive like and that, that's part of what makes this a challenge for me because I like, you know, I like to do well in my class or I want to like, you know. Shit talking my friends takes me a long way. Yeah, I want to do good and, and certain things that I've like, you know, become used to being good at. And then uh, it gets tough to shut that voice down like, okay, I'm not feeling my best today. Um, I need to maybe pull back on this workout. And it's only a day. And then the next day or two days later, you're rocking and rolling rather than something that, you know, sets you back two, yeah. three months or, you know, you lose a season of the open or, or something to it. Um, so I, I wrote some notes down. I'll kind of refer back to my sheet here. Um, 
So when you make major project uh, progress in the gym, um, it's when we are able to properly balance stress. So stress can be a lot of things. Um, stress can be your workout. That's part of your stress uh, and your recovery. So too much stress without enough recovery, you're going to see a decline in your results. So I remember running into this, um, especially like when I would try and keep up with, say, like Graham or guys like that back in the early days when I was competitive, I figured out pretty quick, like, I can't handle the same stress load as these guys who can do these marathon workouts with a ton of weightlifting volume. It was just like that. I had to be a little more calculated with what I did. It would just, that was not going to work with me. Um, so too much stress without enough recovery, um, not enough stress. So not enough training in this instance with adequate, and then you have plenty of recovery. You're just not going to get anywhere. And that's honestly, a lot of this podcast isn't for people who um, are having trouble getting to the gym two or three times right. a week. That's, that's not exactly what we're talking about. So that's also, that's probably 90% of the population's issue is like, you know, they're working out once or twice a week. They're not getting enough stress. They're getting plenty of recovery. Um, and then the sweet spot and what we're talking about is getting enough stress with just enough recovery. Um, and that's when you start to see that incremental growth and progress. And I really like personally, I can think back on a time it was about three years ago, I had about two years where I, I had it pretty nailed for myself. And I, you know, I wasn't maybe at like my peak of like competing, but I had about two years where I was in a really good groove. I didn't miss a week of like five days a week of like some solid CrossFit. I was sleeping well. Um, I had a nice little rhythm and routine going and then Certain things will always creep in there. And then I tried to keep that training up with other stress inputs. And that's when, it's funny, that's when the wheels start to fall off a little bit. And I've had to kind of recalibrate here this last, you know, six months to a year. I'm back on track. But you, you always find yourself kind of in those, those things. Like you had a, you know, you had a baby in the last two years. So you know how like you then have to, like that is energy that like when you were going home, you know, you used to go home and you got to chill for a while, you know. Maybe take a two-hour nap in the middle of the afternoon, something like that. Not so, so much now. When that goes away, that's a lot of like recovery yeah, time. Yeah, right. Jeez. Yeah. But you figured, so you probably get to bed now. You're more intent on when Harper's sleeping. Do you like, okay, my ass is going to bed, right? Yeah, she's in bed by like 8, hopefully. And I'm in bed by like 8.30 at the latest, yeah. Whereas before you might have found yourself like staying up a little later because you knew you had that nap the next day kind of coming up. Yeah, it didn't bother. It didn't. I didn't really care about when I went to sleep. It was just like, oh, I'm kind of getting groggy. I'll go to sleep now. Or now I'm like, oh, I'm gonna like lay in bed and like force my eyes to close, and then it's like out right away. Yep. So it's like, yeah, a little different now. And for those of you guys who are watching, Dan does our early classes that start at five thirty. That's but he's not getting up and just barely making it there. He does his full training before the 5.30 a.m. class. 
and he's got to drive in. Yep. So he's getting up in the middle of the night, basically. Yeah, like 2, 2.30. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> so you, you, can, you can talk trash to uh, Jocko Wilnick. Like, That's right. What is he? He has, like, what, like a 4 a.m.? 4, like, 4.30. Yeah. Something like that on his phone. He's you, you just, every time he posts that on his Instagram, you need to post your, like... Just this. Yeah, it's, like, 2... <laughs> Two ten. Where are you at, Jack? <laughs> Mark, who is it? Uh, Mark Wahlberg has a similar type thing too, where he, but he he like cryo freezes his body and yeah, he's so he's mitigating all these uh, stress frac, uh, factors with like cryos and things like that. We won't dive too much into that. I've talked about that on another podcast. Yeah. But those are there's some things you can do to also mitigate some of these factors. So what we're going to talk about here is there's two different approaches you can take to balancing your stress and, um, and then your training as well. So one is the pro-athlete mentality. So um, that's basically putting your sport or training above all else. Um, you know, we may have, you know, and there's definitely, there's a spectrum to this. And, you know, we have a few athletes maybe at our gym who, who are able to, you know, put a lot of their time and energy into this. And, and we've had some in the past who are really able to dive into it, um, you know, more than others, uh, you know, my, my former partner, Graham, he would, like, gearing up to the games, we, you know, he would basically put everything he had into that, and he had to. You know, that was part of, uh, you know, what it took to be at that level. Um, and, and some examples of this are just eating perfectly, you know, dialing in your diet or having a coach dialing your diet every meal, including, like, almost all weekend, um, getting eight to ten hours of sleep a night with, like, minimal disturbances, um, relationships, oftentimes not really having a lot of those outside of, uh, training partners and coaches and, you know, possibly not even having like a, a spouse or a girlfriend. I remember, um, I think it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think like none of the individual games competitors had kids, none of them. There was like not one. That did, or maybe one did. So maybe one, but not yeah, it wasn't many. You know, just shows you what it takes to like having a child. Like basically takes you out of the running to have to do that. Um, which even in most pro sports isn't the case. Yeah. Uh, and then work. So having a job, um, maybe not having a job outside of your sport. So it's just your sport, um, or minimizing that uh, work stress to to like next to nothing. A lot of times that's where you see uh, most of the people are really good at the master's level. You know, the games competitors, they're not fully immersed in eight to 10 hour work days. They're guys who had like a, you know, they built a company and they made money and they so essentially don't work anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they can like, it's like they have a second life. They can go back to being an athlete and just nerding out on CrossFit all day. Um, and then what we're really talking about is uh, the second approach. It's just the real life mentality of, of this auto regulation. So um, we're all going to have different stress inputs and, and things. So it's whether it's work or uh, relationships, uh, kids, um, sleep, 
having things you like outside that might even be conflicting interests. Like if, if your favorite thing in the world to do is going golfing with your buddies on Sunday and drinking, you know, six beers, it's not conducive to like optimal fitness, but like that might be the, your favorite thing to do in life. And you might have to just build that into your, your training plan, you know, yeah, um, Monday's a rest day after that, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I do some individual design with some, uh, guys who, um, one of which they Monday is their rest day. Cause they do a golf league. You know, it's like, you don't want to like jack a bunch of deadlifts up and then try and swing like a golf club. Yeah. You were going to do that the day after that. Um, so one is just, one thing to think about is sustaining for the long game. So when you're just approaching workouts, um, it's running races, especially on certain days in a sustainable pace. So it's um, finding like a, uh, think about like a race pace or a run pace. Like you are going at it at, let's say like 85, 90% four out of five days a week. And uh, you want to think kind of like, I love the example of if you watch Rich Froning compete, especially when he's an individual, it's harder to tell now that he's on a team, but if you watch him compete, he's never like uh, frazzled or frantic. His eyes aren't darting all over the room, like looking at the other people. And if you ever see, you know, we all know people who are in like classes who uh, when they work out, they, they're working out in this almost like frantic, frazzled pace. Their eyeballs are going all over the room. They're like twisting around, doing like bloodied hands, single toes to bar. singles. You know, with their eyes darting around. And, and it's like, uh, they're, just try, they're just trying to win, yeah. you know, the class or, or whatever it is. But that's not, that's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. People who do, who train like that, they don't typically last, you know, they, you can do that for a year, maybe a couple of years, and then it's just not fun anymore. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not fun to redline and then have people beat you still. Yeah, it's yeah. just not, and it's not a way to, like, improve. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, that is not, we're getting waved to by some people out here. <laughs> at the end of the day, that's not a great way to train. No. Um so finding that sustainable pace. Uh, number two is learning your gear. So a lot of people, especially in CrossFit, when we're just learning how to do it, we have one speed. So it's like come out like a rocket and then you fade off and then you try and kind of hold on for dear life. Um, people you'll see who normally do really well consistently, especially in things like open workouts and competitive workouts, they have a calculated speed that they're going at. And it's not normally jump out ahead of everyone and then just barely hang on for your life. Yeah, like round one's typically just like a slow and steady and just gradually speed it up as you go sort of thing. Yeah, like think about, like you've ran a couple like organized races, maybe not a ton of them, but like do it. None of the good runners like go out like a rocket. Yeah. Just come out hot. The first 400. And then they're like collapsing at the end of the workout, just barely hanging on. But so many people do that in CrossFit workouts. Like they come out red hot and then they just fizzle off and they die and they fall over. 
Most people, if you go to like 5Ks or marathons and things like that, they're actually sprinting at the finish, not falling apart and weaving side to side, which is quite the opposite of CrossFit workouts. And I think we could take something from that and learn, learn your gears, learn how to pace. And you want to think things like negative splits, like if I'm doing a workout that is four rounds, my first two rounds are similar, if not slower than my last two rounds, if you run the race the right way. Uh, changing the volume on the workout. So we talked about that earlier um, with regards to your squatting. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing, or you, when you started to run into some issues, you backed off of doing, you know, small off squat programs and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Backing off the overall volume um, can definitely help mm. you in the long game. So I think there's a time and a place for that. I think, you know, this isn't, some of these things aren't necessarily geared towards a guy who's 25 years old, um, has plenty of time to rest and recover. And do, I think you need to try and figure out mm -hmm. what you're capable of there. You still need to listen to your body. But, you know, I'm not trying to just tell everyone, hey, everybody needs to back off. That's not necessarily the case. Like, you've got a certain window where you're going to build most of your capacity in your, your training career and, you know, take advantage of that window. But changing the volume can help. And, and I think what's hard when you're young and what was really tough for me is um, being really strict on a program and then feeling not the best. And then just adhering to it, no then, matter what. And hitting 95% the next day anyway, that you definitely shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. just like, I'm going to make this happen. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to belt up and knee sleeve up and knee wrap up, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then your knees are clicking for two months after Six that. Six years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then know your intent. So what are we training for? So at the end of the day, if you're... If you're trying to train to just feel good, look good, feel strong, like for me, um, the injury I, I've been maybe kind of alluding to is this pec strain that uh, I got a couple of years ago that I've re-injured a couple of times. And ring muscle-ups is probably my favorite move in CrossFit, one of the ones I was probably the best at. And jump, trying to jump back into it over and over again too fast uh, with too much volume um, set me back over the last two years, um, you know, because now, now I'm working around the shoulder and this pec injury, and my intent really, like, I don't need to be able to rattle off 15 unbroken ring muscle-ups. I want to look good, feel good, and feel very confident and capable when I'm training and coaching people and be able to demo everything. Um, so now I'm like, why was I doing that? There's no rush to get that capacity back, let the thing heal, work around it. And now I feel really good. I could do almost everything. I'm just shelving that move until it feels solid again. And if it doesn't ever feel solid again, maybe I just do bar, you know? So it's not, it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. And I had built that up in my head as it was. Um, and then just skipping certain formats altogether, like you have with, uh, box jumps, yep. you know, like that bothers you. You modify box jumps where you avoid the workouts that have yep. those. Most 
put a different movement in there. Yep. You There's like a, nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a kettlebell swing or a ball slam. Just like open your hips up hard, but like yeah, no knee impact. Just not. Yep. Slam it down on your knee. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have like opposite things. Like I, <laughs> box, jump. I box jumps are fine. I love to jump, and then you know your shoulders are rock solid, and you like to do the muscle up. So we're avoiding kind of opposite things yeah, right yeah. now. Um, and then so a good example. I think that I was gonna get into is, so I got my second vaccine shot and we had, uh, it's like push presses a few weeks ago we had in the workout. It was like a built to heavy triple and then we had a real intense Metcon of some sort afterwards. I didn't feel good, so I didn't, uh, so all I did was the push press portion and I worked up to a moderate triple and that was my day of work. I was like, okay, that's all, I should do today, worked up to that, I was done, I was able to coach and stuff, and I felt great the next day, whereas if I had melted my face off in that Metcon afterwards, you know, I would have been mentally foggy, I would have been high risk for injury, um, so I'm 39 years old, and I'm starting to learn this skill. <laughs> Figuring it out, kind of. Starting to just kind of figure it out, and, and that kind of takes me to, uh, I just have a... Um, Ego is really the thing I think that that most of us have to get over when it comes to this. So um, some of my ego was tied up in, say, something like a ring muscle up. Like I loved that that skill for me was better than 95% of the people in the gym. Like that was something I felt like I could like almost show off with. Like I can do these all day. I feel really good. I can do them when I'm tired. They look pretty. It's my cleanest looking move and when that skill kind of got pulled from me through this injury it my ego got in the way and I would try and jump into doing it too fast and, and, and reoccurring an injury so losing that ego and not doing that um, like you did with your jumps and your knees yep. uh, look at what it's done for your training sense yeah awesome longevity and then you kind of double down on your strengths mm -hmm. and you know you did over a hundred pull-ups in a row and all that things you wouldn't have done definitely you know you wouldn't have done that if you would were still chasing a 400 pound back right yeah you know it's just something you wouldn't have done mm -hmm. so i think we got to take the silver lining pull the ego out of it and then uh you know really use that, like think like, am I doing this because it, it's my ego talking or is this what's the smart thing to do? Um, and then the, the last thing I, I kind of wanted to talk about with this was uh, just some like actionable things because we're talking about this and, and so you have this maybe in your head, but there are some like actionable ways and some things that can help you auto-regulate. Um, I took a CrossFit Games um, competition seminar. It was part of the, I don't even think they offer it anymore through CrossFit, but it was a really cool seminar. Matt Chan and Chris Beeler taught it, and they were still competing as individuals then. And uh, this was pre-WHOOP, um, and they came up with, uh, it was 10 things to track. Um, so you track your resting heart rate, in the morning first thing and you look for a plus or minus five percent difference 
Um, so you can check your heart rate here for 15 seconds, then you just times that by four and that's your, you know, your resting heart rate. And if that's off, if it's like your heart rate's like boom, 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 when you wake up in the morning, it's probably not the best day to go like do Fran, yeah. you know? Um, weight, plus or minus 2%. So if you happen to wake up one day and you're like, man, I'm, uh, I just gained five, six pounds last night or I lost five or six pounds, that's another indicator that maybe, you know, you shouldn't push super hard. Um, you're in shade. If you've got some like rhabdo pee going on. Um, something to maybe take note of. Like, Drink some water. <laughs> yeah, what happened. Um, just your sleep hours, your sleep quality, appetite. If you wake up and you put your breakfast down, this is how I always know I'm sick a lot of times. I remember if I put my breakfast down and I just like look at it, I'm normally right on it. I'm like, uh, like that's not, that's not going to be a good training day. And you might, it's like that day might go real sideways on you just in general. Um, muscle soreness. So if you're just, again, like completely have doms and your triceps and all that, like, like hurts to touch kind of soreness. Not the day to, like, try and hit the PR on the bench. <laughs> which can happen sometimes in CrossFit because moves will sometimes conflict. Like, say you do a ton of shoulder to overhead, and then two days later, you know, your triceps are lit from that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, push-ups or bench come into play. You might want to be cautious there. Um, your mood, you're in an awful mood and you can't figure out why. That's something to take note of. Uh immune system status if you're snotty and feeling like crap and then uh your previous day's performance too so always take note of that if you had a rough training day the day before and you were pushing it really hard you might want to back off that following day mm -hmm. um look kind of objectively at your readiness state have you ever messed with one of those mm -hmm. um i haven't either so this is not a great topic for me to dive into. Yeah. All I've, I've just got people like telling me about it and it sounds really interesting and cool, but it's, you know, I don't, for where I'm at in my training, I don't know if I need a $35 a month gadget to like tell me when to back off and do things yet. If I have something I'm training for, I might kind of dive into that, you know, like, okay, hey, I'm getting ready for a competition. Like, all right, maybe I'll, I'll do a whoop thing. Sounds really cool, and it's something I might end up diving into because it's. I like to nerd out on on things like that, but right now, yeah, not there. Um, and then the last thing is just reviewing your performance without judgment. Are you capturing the intent of the workout? Uh, Do you give your best effort for the day that you should have that day? Like, you know, you're gonna have workouts. Like, it's funny because. Don't look so much, I think, at how you're stacking up against the class oh, yeah. as how you did for you that day. I'll have workouts where I have, honestly, a, a pretty shit performance, and uh, it stacks up well on maybe the leaderboard because mm -hmm. the movements were maybe in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget why they're doing it. It's not for Wattify or whatever the whiteboard is. It's like... Did you get out of breath? Did you get sweaty and gross? Did you move today? Yes. Like, that's the point, right? Yeah. It's not, 
did you beat Austin, who's a gorilla, in the workout with sled drags? Probably, you probably <laughs> <Sure>. did. <laughs> yeah, and, and then um, try and take note of, like, okay, what could I do better next time? Um, and a lot of times when we're talking about the, this pacing stuff and all that, again, I, I like to use the, the analogy of addition by subtraction because a lot of times you will do better sometimes in workouts with, you know, say you're rowing or something, you, you pull five to 10 seconds off your split time, you jump off the rower, you're gonna feel fresher. It's like going harder and faster all the time isn't always gonna have the best net result. So, you know, taking that from your workout as well. And then just thinking of every training session as a chance to learn, and then use the tests when they're there for, for that. So, you know, um, if you have like a, a race or an event, like that's the time to just, you know, let her rip, use the training sessions for what they are, training sessions. You shouldn't push, you know, more than probably one a week at that complete 100% red line level. That's about what you want to do unless you're, you know, maybe gearing up for a competition. Um, maybe you do two of those. Uh, you got to be careful with that. Say with days between them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, and I think that kind of wraps that up. Uh, I have a, just a couple quick announcements. Um, and I try and put these at the end so I don't date these podcasts. Uh, so if you're listening to this a year from now, you're not like, oh, have to listen to the pool party announcement and stuff like that. Um, June 19th, uh, we're going to have our pool party at Hoofhearted slash Go Fitness. I think they kind of share this pool area. Um, it's going to be one to five. Now, the thing with it this year is we let 20 people in every hour for three, uh, for three hours, and then you can stay for three hours. And we're going to take care of all the food and drinks. Still have some COVID capacity restrictions. So you'll get to hang out and party pretty much as long as you want to once you're in there. But what we're gonna do, um, and Monday we'll release it, you'll just sign up for it like a class on Wattify. And all we ask is if you're not gonna show up, pull your name off there so someone else can get in. Cause it also costs us money too. Um, Cause we have to pay for each person like to get in. So just make sure you sign up. And then also if you know you're not gonna come, pull your name off so someone else can get in. Because we only have spots for 60 people, and uh, I want as many, anyone who wants to come, I want them to be able to go. So if you know you're, you're not sure if you're going to go, maybe wait to sign up, and then if you find out like last minute, you can't pull the name off. Um, new gym, construction started. They're painting, doing carpet. Uh, I don't have a timeline yet, so when I get that, I'm going to give it to you guys. I get asked... I don't know, about 20 times a day what the date is or when's our, our set opening date. And, you know, I'd love to be able to, like, say now, but we have this, it's a massive uh, upfit of this building. We're still waiting on some, like, electrical permitting and things like that. Just know that things are underway now, and it's about to really start rolling. I'll try and document some of that process as well with Mike uh, once we start framing things out and 
hanging lights and, and all the fun stuff there. Um, and then preview for the next podcast, I'm going to bring Scott in here and we're going to talk about uh, level two and how we're going to expand that program into some evening classes. And uh, we're going to start that after they get back from Vegas, from the semifinal, and then get, just give more opportunities for people who want to do the uh, competition training um, to do that in a group. So I'm really excited for that. Since the pandemic, we just had that one time a day. And we're going to expand that into uh, multiple times a day, get some small groups going throughout the day and, and all training and pushing together. So looking forward to that. We'll see you guys next time.